What's up, guys? We're back with another episode of Unhinged with the one and only, the iconic and the amazing Ella Priya D'Souza. Last name blast. So sorry. Had to. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) Do people know that that's your last name? Yeah, no, for sure. People think I, they, people don't know what my name is because I go by Ella Priya on all like social medias, but I have D'Souza in my like bio. But is that your like, real middle name though? Is that one of those things where like you make a name up and then? No, it's technically my middle name. It's technically my first name. Like my name is Ella hyphen Priya. Kind of like a Marianne kind of vibe. Ella, if you guys don't already know, if and if you don't know where that bloody hell have you been, not only is she like a burgeoning <laughs> TikTok personality, which I love to watch you on TikTok, um, but she's also a DJ, part of the I Like yeah. You universe. And she's the founder of Shala, a 360 talent management agency, which is, leads me to today's topic. And we don't normally ever have topics on the pod, but I do love this one a lot. And I've also seen like so much misleading information lately on TikTok about how to ask for more money and negotiating. And I was like, let me set the record straight on these hoes. Um, So so here we are. You know the videos I'm talking about, though, the ones where it's like influencer marketing, how to ask for more. And then they'll list like five things you definitely should not do. And I'm like, this is wrong. Yeah. No, I feel like especially like with the growth of like TikTok and like so many of these creators like blowing up, like people really don't know how to navigate that world well. And like brands take advantage of it, but at the same time, like they don't know how to navigate it as well. So I feel like it's a new, people need to, people need to learn. They need to know. They do need to know. And who better to teach them than us? People who've worked on the inside of the industry. And like for those of you guys who are sitting here listening to the pod being like, why the hell is Amrit telling us how to negotiate for more money? You might not know this about me, but I worked at an agency for a very, very, very long time negotiating talent deals. And it's like the one thing that I've taken with me in life through everything. Like I love like conflict negotiation and like money negotiation is like one of my favorite activities. It like comes to a point where I'm like negotiating 24 seven with John. He's like, we want the same thing. Like we do not need to be in this like back and forth. But she's like, no, but this is the fun part. (laughs) I'm like, but this is like kind of like foreplay for me. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think is like the one thing people get wrong when they negotiate? Like what do you think is like the most common thing? I think the first thing thing? is that people don't negotiate and they just agree to something right off the bat. True. I Which totally is like, I think the, the first thing. Cause like, of course a deal will always seem good. Like, especially at the beginning of your career or, you know, when yep. you, it's a brand that you like, or it's someone you really want to work for. You kind of forget about what you could be worth and kind of just agree to something just for the, the sake of doing it. But that's not always what you should be doing. Obviously. It's tricky too, because I see both sides, right? Like I know the feeling when a job comes in and by the way, this doesn't just apply to free to influencers. It, it applies to anybody who's a freelancer because, or it yeah. applies to anybody who lives because life <laughs> is one giant negotiation, right? Like every interaction or transaction or exchange you have with a person, even if there's no money, like even if it's not a financial transaction, like there is some type of negotiation because everybody has like a different agency in terms of what they're looking to get out of something. And so I think you can apply this to everything and anything, but I totally agree with you on that. I think a lot of people 
have scarcity mindset and just take the first thing that comes in. Yeah, definitely. But my one golden rule is I never, ever, ever give a rate. Yes. Like when, when I get an email saying, what's your rate? I do. I will like do this. Like, it's like when a man asks you, like, how many people have you slept with? You never answer that question. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like you just talk around it. Like, firstly, like it's whack if anybody asks that. That's like a whack question to ask. But like, it's like my, one of those things you do not disclose. Like, rate, never heard of her. Like, what's your budget? And like that, like it can go back and forth for a while, but there's so much in terms of, like understanding the contract terms on like what goes into a rate. It's like, I can't give you a rate because I don't know the usage. I don't know the exclusivity. What are the terms? What is the whitelisting around this? What other creators are you work with, working with? And like, there are also so many things that aren't monetary necessarily that can factor into the conversation of what a rate could be. And people forget that. Yeah. No, definitely. I mean, especially like if we're talking on like the influencer side, because obviously, as we said, this applies to kind of everything. But uh, that's kind of how we work too. like we at my agency too. like we never we don't really believe in like media kits. Like we never send out a media kit for someone until we know like what the scope of work is. Right. So like if we're talking on the Mm -hmm. influencer side, aside from the fact of what you just said, right, it's like usage, exclusivity, all that kind of stuff that people forget. And like, a lot of people, especially starting in the business who don't have management or don't have anyone helping them, don't know the value of. Because like you, you're you giving your image away to someone that they can use like in propriety for who knows how long if you agree to it, you know? And then, but what, what the other thing that I was saying was, or that I was thinking is also, I, I'm a big, big believer in the fact of, you know, depending on who it is and what the brand is, say it's something that you really have to you know, it's not that organic to you or it's a lot of work or it's very different than what you normally do. It strays away from your like normal aesthetic or what you post on Instagram or TikTok. That's going to cost more than something that's so organic or like a product or say that you use every day because that's so much easier to integrate into your like daily life and your like content. Totally. And especially now as people like pivot into more video focused content asks, it's like if you want a highly produced and stylized video, I need an editor for that. And if you want like a specific type of style, you know, not everybody has the skill set to do that, right? So I think, but I do want to break down to certain like terms that get tossed around that people might not necessarily know. Obviously, we all know rate. (laughs) Um, The rate's pretty much just like, and (laughs) everyone gets caught up on the rate. But really, I think there's so much to gain. Like, there's a huge advantage in negotiating the other terms like usage and exclusivity. It's like a lot of deals don't necessarily need exclusivity, you know? And the thing is like the more, I mean, I would say it's like a good fair rule. Like the more a brand is asking from you, if they want to whitelist your content, if they want exclusivity in the category, if they have a really large usage ask like if a brand's like hey we the usage for this is just digital 90 days no point of sale organic only versus hey we need out of home usage which means your face will be on a billboard like through all the subways like there's a different scale so and I would also push back on that when people kind of really try to finagle a rate from you it's like I can't give you a rate 
until we have a larger conversation on what you exactly yeah. this is being used for. And I do and think now need. because of that, a lot of brands are like starting with the very bare minimum of like no exclusivity or no usage. Like it's happened to me a couple of times with some clients that then after they will ask, hey, like if we were to add uh, like um, some terms or, or if someone wanted to put paid behind it, they're adding mm-hmm. it on the rate and they're like, how much would that cost? And then you kind of add it on to that original thing, which is what I think a lot of people are doing now because instead of signing on to it, they're like on the brand side, it makes sense because like they might not use it and then you're mm-hmm. getting, you're paying this person much more because of the possibility of you using it. But then if say you're like, oh, I really like the content. Now we want to put paid behind it. So how much is it going to cost? And then you give them the rate and then they should pay that because it's a completely other different rate and cost that goes into it. I think for a brand too, that's really smart if you're listening to this because it incentivizes the creator to really give you that content that you want to buy into because I know when a brand and like, you know, we always do our best to like deliver the highest exchange, whatever that is. If you're a graphic designer, if you're this, if you're that, but like, you know, we're, we're human and we have good and bad days. But if a brand's like, Hey, like the usage is three months, but we have potential to extend. Um, we would discuss that later. I know like in my mind, I'm like, okay, I need to make this content. So they want to use it for the whole year. Yeah, and exactly. It's like dangling the little incentive, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. And even in like the quality of your content, not that you should ever like not make it, but I think like if you're making it for your own page, for your audience, you might be making it a different way than if you think that like the brand's page or like you're they're running it as an ad and like all these other people are seeing it, like it's way more eyes on it. Mm-hmm. But you might want it to look different than maybe something that goes on your personal Instagram that like you know what your followers are seeing and they like kind of thing. The other thing too is like understanding how you can get the most out of a situation that's not monetarily based, right? So say you're an emerging creator, say you're an emerging designer or DJ or whatever it is you do. What can you leverage from this transaction that can grow your brand? And Mm -hmm. when I work with companies now, I'm typically working with companies, I want them to equally promote me too, because, you know, it's like, it's one of those things where like, I'm saying yes to the job because it's a good look for me. I'm just at that point in my career. So I'm like, okay, like I'll do this, but you have to post me too. We need to do editorial behind it. We need to do an interview. If this is a media company, we need to do an interview as a part of it. Do you have budget for glam? Do you have budget for cars? Can we bump this up to business travel? Because like a lot of the expense items too, it's not coming out of the talent marketing budget. It's coming- out of like an expense budget, which these like big companies would just like green light easily. And it's like easy money to just grab from. Yeah, for sure. Especially like from the brand side. And I will say the counter to that or like the opposite of that is almost when people give you like now it's a big thing, you know, like you get a trip or you get, Mm -hmm. you know, come to this event and we'll, you know, pay for your car, pay for your flight, whatever it is. And then there's no actual fee. Because they're like, we're providing the experience and that's your payment, which sometimes honestly is worth it, like depending yeah. on what it is. Like it's it's a great opportunity. But sometimes that's also kind of how you can also negotiate and be like, okay, I'm totally down to do all these things. Like if you want me to do, you know, I can get I'm gonna do these posts, but if you want a guaranteed in feed or like whatever it is, this is the rate. Because yeah. as you said, it's they are two. Normally, it is two separate budgets. Like when when it's a, an experience or when it's an actual fee, um, 
And a lot of times for brands, they do the experience because, and I having worked also on experiential, we like mm-hmm. created these amazing experiences because that's, it's a great value because you get people to post, you get people to promote it without having like, you know, a signed contract of, uh, you have to do these deliverables. People just do it because you're in a space, you're at a party, you're at a trip that you just want to post about because you're there and it's amazing and you want to share it with your audience. But at the same time, sometimes to guarantee something, you can also like ask for a, a, a fee for actual posting. So like to something that they might want specifically. And you can also set the parameters, like let's say you're going on this trip, right? And it's an unpaid trip, but you're going for the experience because it's amazing. You can also set the parameters and be like, hey, I'm not signing a media release on this trip. Any content that's created organically cannot be used um, as point of sale or, you know, commercially. But if in the instance, like you would like to use my content, we can negotiate this at a separate rate. Yeah, exactly. And more than likely, like, if your content is amazing or if your likeness is a good look for them, they will put money behind it. So there's ways as well to get to turn an unpaid opportunity into a paid project. I think well, we can talk about like how there is still like so much value in working with brands that work for you and kind of are pushing your agenda and like, you know, your persona and helping you you in your career, which is also why sometimes that can be as valuable as money realistically, because it builds up your more and more things. Yeah, totally. And I think also people get really caught up on a rate and they forget that money's still on the table, right? When you're discussing other things. So it's like, if you're working with a luxury brand and it's a good look for you to align with that brand, Asking them to tag and credit you and post your work and feature you in, say, like an Instagram post or an editorial piece, like that is more advantageous and worth more than X amount of dollars. And so it's really knowing when and what to ask, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I do think that I think, I mean, this isn't to discredit any like management companies specifically, but I think a lot of the really big agencies like that represent you know, high talent and stuff, they do more so focus on the rates because... Okay, Charlotte plug. This will not happen to you at Charlotte, by the way. <laughs> this will not. But you know what I mean? Because I think... Totally. Because they're like, commission-based, right? Yeah, so, so we all like, want to make money. Mm-hmm. But if you really believe in someone as your talent, as your creator, you also want to do stuff that are going to help them in the long run. So yes, this one time we might not be making as much money, but with this one deal, you might get another bigger deal that will be worth it in the long run kind of thing. Absolutely. Totally. And the other thing I think it's really important is to tap into your creative community and your network as much as you can and redirect as many jobs as you can to build that bank with your like tribe because absolutely when you commit to a job for example when I book a job now I'm like okay if this is a campaign who's shooting have you allocated money for glam Um, who's doing video, who's doing the editing, who's this, that when I pull my people onto projects, those people will pull you back onto their projects, right? It's like as many like people in your network, you can put money into their pockets and it's not coming out of your check, right? They have to hire these people anyway. It's like so much, so much front facing talent forget to ask this, right? And like, wouldn't you want to be on set with your friends? Like, I'm always like, who's shooting? Who's doing hair? Who's doing glam? Like, who who else is in the campaign? You know, like, if you can like, build it out with as many of your people as possible. And it's like people, 
I think, and scarcity mindset plays into this as well, but their first instinct is to just accept it based on themselves, right? Like, oh, I'm getting paid. I'm getting a check. Like, cool, done. I'm not saying don't take the job if you can't bring other people into it, but if you can, like, why not? Like, I'm no, sure absolutely. you're not, you know, it's like, are you even asking? Yeah. I mean, I, that's always been my like go-to, even when people ask me about in general, like in life, how to get places. And it's literally always to plug the people, you know, be nice to everyone that you work with. Cause you mm-hmm. never know when you're going to work with them again, when you can pull them into stuff. And I completely agree. Like, it's like, I think even on the content side, like I know friends of mine who are content creators who say they get given a budget or they get given a fee, but they're going to hire their friend to shoot it instead of just shooting it with like their phone, because that will elevate their content. They, you know, they take the money that they're making, or they can pitch that to the brand and being like, look, like I want to do this like really cool shoot to do that. If you can give me a couple extra hundred bucks or a thousand bucks that so I can hire my friend to shoot this and we can make mm-hmm. this content even better Then it. Like, you know, everyone, it's kind of a win-win for everyone. Um, totally. But like really, as you said, like using your network to help you get through those things and, you know, being, I mean, I agree, like just working with your friends is always the best. Um, and just doing all those, those things together, it, it works and it, and it really does get you a long way in the long run because then they'll call you for the next thing. You know, if you work with a photographer, if they have a shoot or someone asks them for talent, they're going to think about you before they think about anyone else. Agree. I could not agree more. And on that note, speaking of bringing in your creative community, we're going to take a quick moment to hear about some of our partners on the pod. I am so stoked to share one of the partners of the pod is Athletic Greens. Now, I know I talk about this a lot. The one thing I did when I got pregnant was quit drinking coffee. And I talk about this a lot because I'm so proud of the fact I did this. Like if you knew me pre-Frankie, I was always that girl chugging six cups of coffee a day, looking for an energy boost. So I'm so happy to share this life hack with you guys since I found AG1 by Athletic Greens. I take my AG1 first thing in the morning, followed by my matcha. And not only have I noticed a massive difference in my mood and energy, but also in the support of my overall immune health. I never have that afternoon slump anymore. And trust me, as a mom who is functioning on limited time and sleep, that is game changing for me. Each scoop has 75 vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients like zinc, B vitamins, and magnesium. It's kind of wild. And so much more to give the benefits of better gut health and promote healthier hair, skin, and nails. That was a really big one for me as it's really helped manage side effects of my postpartum hair loss and hormonal changes. Ladies, I know you know. We are an AG1 household, so John usually takes his with his water and I do too, but I also love the taste of it with apple juice if I'm feeling like I need a sweet start to my day. If you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply, that's right, one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. So head to athleticgreens.com slash unhinged. That's athleticgreens.com slash unhinged. Check it out. As you guys know, a reoccurring theme of this pod is my postpartum journey on 
coming home and coming back to feeling like myself again. You know, and let's take weight and anything physical out of the equation, because for me, it's about regaining that sense of agency over my body again. And hey, you might not have had a baby and maybe you're just looking to maintain energy levels, try something new, improve your gut health, or just eat better. We are what we eat. And that's not new information. We know this, but sometimes it's hard to find time or energy. And listen, I know as a new parent, my free time right now is about squeezing in as much as I can around Frankie's schedule. That's why I love partnering with Sakara. Sakara brings expertly designed organic nutrition programs and wellness essentials right to your door. Their science-backed, ready-to-eat meals deliver results you can see and feel. From weight management, eased bloat to boosted energy and clearer skin. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash unhinged. Or you can enter code unhinged at checkout. That's sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash unhinged to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash unhinged. And we're back. Another question that I had, oh my God, no, no, this question just left my brain. Fuck, I have mom brain. I have mom mom brain is coming back. It's, I was, guys, I was telling Ella before that I got out of the gas station the other day the other day a few days ago and I forgot where I was like no lie like I stood there until someone started just like beeping the horn at me and he's like are you getting gas I'm like I'm so sorry I just (laughs) had a baby um I feel like I'm gonna keep saying I just had a baby like five years later I just had a child this five-year-old that's with you you're like gonna have to be like oh yeah I'm like this baby yeah um it's so funny or um The other thing that I used, like, I literally use Frankie for as an excuse for everything. I'm like, oh my God, my baby. Or like, I have a baby right now. We're applying for like rental apartments. I'm like, I'm extremely responsible. I have a newborn, so we won't be having parties. I'm like, who would have thought how clutch this baby was going to come in? She's here. She's here at Gateway. She's literally your your get out of jail card. (laughs) Literally. Um, But back to making everybody more money. What do you think is a good way? And this I think can apply to more um, like say like photographer, writer, director, transcriber, whatever it is, like people who are like less in the talent facing role. What do you think it's a good way to like cold pitch a brand or talent that you want to work with? That's a good question because I feel like even when I worked at like a bigger agency or a bigger company, like a lot of those emails come through And I will say this obviously isn't that helpful, but timing is so important. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if you know that the company is like, I don't know, doing a campaign or they're, you know, relaunching or doing a rebrand, like if you send your email at the right time and, you know, it might fall into the hands of someone who is thinking about that in that moment, that is the best way to do it. Obviously, like when we pitch people out, it's always like, oh, I'll see something. I'm like, oh, I think they're coming up with a campaign these people will be perfect for you. Why don't you use them? And then, you know, instead of it, the go, them responding and be like, oh, I love this. Like, we'll think about it in the future. They're like thinking about mm-hmm. it on the spot. But I also think that for like creatives, as you said, like in the industry, I always, I, it might be more work, but I do think it gets you a long way is like truly pitching an idea specific to the person that you are 
talking to or emailing, right? Instead of just like sending your portfolio out, it's like, this is what I would do for you. This is an example. Or like, even if it's a small deck or a one page or even a paragraph of just like being mm-hmm. it so personal to the person that you're sending it to, whether it's, you know, a creative director or it's someone who's hiring or whatever, I think making it personal to them instead of it looking like a BCC email that you sent out to like 50 different people, they, yeah. it, does, it does go a long way. And it also adds value to the work because it's like this work is not interchangeable. Yeah, So exactly. yes, you could maybe potentially work with somebody for less or you could work with someone else, but you would not get this very specific thing. Yeah, absolutely. And again, like a lot of companies, I mean, it's hard to kind of narrow them down because everyone's so different. But say you're a creative and you're pitching a creative idea to a company a lot of them, like they want that, you know, they need the different ideas. Like they have probably have a smaller internal team who are trying to come up with stuff. And then if you present them with like, well, this is how I would design this photo shoot or something. They could, if it's, if it's really aligned with their brand, they could be like, oh my God, this is exactly what we're looking for. And guess what? You're the person who pitched it. You're the person who's going to do it kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And I also think, you know, when an idea resonates, it makes you feel like you're being heard and you're like, oh, okay. Like they get it. They're going to do a good job. And that's why another really helpful thing to know is what are they trying to get out of this partnership, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're working with someone, like what are their objectives? And this is like the number one rule with negotiating. It's like, are you both feeling like you're getting what you need out of it? So it's, you know, for example, when a brand's like, hey, like, we'd love to work with you. Can you do X, Y, and Z posts? I'm like, okay, cool. Like, where is this brand coming from? Are they a new brand and they're trying to grow their social me- media presence? Or is yeah. this a brand that's more interested in just getting information out about this one product job? Or is this a very, like, sales-focused partnership where they only care about what the most like effective way to get as many people to buy this item is, right? Mm-hmm. And based off of that, I think you can like come back to them and say like, actually, you know, knowing my audience or knowing the way like I like think or create or write or produce, like we should do it like this and this would be the most effective. Because the other thing that like brands, companies, people don't understand or realize is what like your ability can do to fit into the whole like scheme of things. So yeah. when a brand comes to me and they're like, hey, like we're a new brand, we're really trying to grow our social media presence. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, so like, let's put like the ask aside, like maybe perhaps like we can do this as a collaborative post or would you be interested in like five, you know, story sets over the month versus one feed post that might get like missed over. Um, are you interested in like doing maybe like a collaborative live or like if if they're like priorities to grow social, right? And yeah. or if they're priorities to grow like one specific product, let me be like, you know, like I know my audience really well. It's like what you were saying before. It's like typically like, for example, with me, I'm like meme dumps work really well for me, right? Yeah. Like I worked with a brand like a couple of Valentine's Day days ago and like we did this kind of like lingerie Valentine's shoot, but like around them, like we did it in like a meme dump. And they were like, oh, this was like great for us. It was like great for tra- like it was good traffic and engagement. And it's because they like let me do it my way. I'm like, yeah, I know my audience. And like mm-hmm. I know when they're going to respond to something and not feel like it's so addy, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's always the the case, I think, in general that I'm hoping that brands are moving more towards. But you have to trust the creator. You have to trust the talent. You have to trust the person that you're hiring because in one, there should be a reason why you're 
picking them over other people. And when you force something that's your idea, cause, and some of their ideas can be great, don't get me wrong, but they, they'll never be, you know, the, the same for every, they won't work the same for every single person. So yeah. if you let those people like, you know, put their creative input into it, put their little personal touch on it, it will 100% do better than anything that's just like a copy paste. Exactly. And even if it's just tweaking like something slightly, like, hey, yeah. like this performs better for me on TikTok, but this performs better for me on Instagram or actually, you know what, like my audience might prefer this on Twitter. Um, yeah, totally. If it's like copy driven or it's, you know, something that's like very specific and lengthy and like just kind of understanding what like both parties are looking for. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I guess this doesn't really go into negotiation, but I just wanted to point out like based off this topic that we're talking about is that it is also okay to say no to things that are not, um, you know, adjacent or right for your creative, for your vibe, for your persona, like as a talent, but also as a creative, like a photographer, a videographer, producer, writer, whatever it is, you know, I like obviously everyone, we need money, people need to make money. But sometimes if it means that you are, you know, kind of putting aside what your creative vision is and who you are as a person. Obviously, a lot of times you can do that, but you also don't want to lose that because in the future, again, that will deteriorate from your, you know, persona as a whole kind of thing. You know, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, and totally. And it can also cannibalize like companies you really want to work with, you know? Yeah. Um, because it's like, and I actually offline, like we just had a conversation. I was like, you know, I, I would prefer not to do like this like job because like I actually use this product and like I really like rather just maintain like the organic nature of like when I'm like talking about something that I use and love and you're like totally get it. Because yeah. it's like at the end of the day, like it's like, deals ebb and flow right and you really and want you want to right you want yeah you want a, people to also trust you and what you are posting on your thing because they trust you just tell them what you actually love and what you want to do and what who you want to work with so if it's something that you really don't believe in then that kind of takes the trust away absolutely and you know what else actually is a really great leveraging point is invoicing terms. And yeah. this is the one that I think people, they close the deal like based off, okay, this is the rate, this is deliverable, this is the SOWs, the usage, done. And then it's like, oop, net 90. <laughs> yeah. It's the worst. It's the worst. And you know what? If you're like an emerging company who maybe doesn't necessarily have massive budgets and you approach somebody you want to work with and you're like, listen, like, this is probably below your pay scale, but we can do like 50% up front and net seven on the rest. They might be like, you know what? I want the money right away. I don't want to yeah. chase this check for net 90 days, whatever. X Especially because as soon as it's more than net 30, they never give, they, they give it to you on the 30th day or the 45th day. And then you have Literally. to be following up with them and, you know, you have to add it to your calendar and be like, okay, in 45 days I'm owed this money. <laughs> And it's just so much more work. Like if I look at something and the payment terms are so far out and the rates on the small side, I'm like, I don't want to do this. It's like for me to have to, and like, you know, most people like typically are working with management or a buffer, but it's like, I'll look at it and be like, for you and me to like chase this check for that long, like, is it worth it? Like, no. Yeah. No, it really isn't. The other thing I will say, like on um, like on that kind of thing, aside from obviously payment terms, 
is also like rounds of either feedback or edits because sometimes, you know, you'll oh, make that's a, a great content. point. Or, and I say this, I mean, I have a lot of friends like in like the photography and videography space too. And like, if you are hiring someone, like obviously it's, it's understandable to have one or two rounds of feedback of edits going back right. to the client. But more than that, then that's a whole different, you know what I mean? Then it's like, you got to mm-hmm. pay more for that. Because if you're putting up to five rounds of edits on a, in a contract, then you, that, that honestly, you should be asking for more money because there's a possibility that you're going to have this person reshoot, refilm, re-edit, whatever it is, it's going to take up way more time than it was initially supposed to. 1000%. And, and speaking of that, like expectation with like work is the other thing that I feel like is possible to do in the music industry. And I'm not necessarily sure how this would apply in every industry, but I remember when like people would reach out to me and be like, Hey, I have X amount of dollars, but, um, I have like a six hour gig or a five hour gig. I'm like, okay, well, what you should do is I can do the last hour as the headliner and you should book. And I'd be like, give them a suggestion of like up and coming emerging people they could work with for the first four or the first three, you know, it gives them an opportunity. It builds your creative network and tribe. It, you know, allows you to put a check in someone else's pocket and you still get to take the job at your rate. Right. Totally. It's like kind of a win for all yeah and I think that's I mean as you said that's I guess part of negotiating too or just like working with people is also giving them something that's going to be helpful right like just saying no to something or being like no I can't do this obviously that happens and you don't always have a solution for someone but again as you said like if you have a network of people or if you have a creative mind it's easy for you to be like well hey why don't we do this or what about instead of doing these two deliverables, we just do this one? Or what about instead of booking one person, you book three at a lower rate, you know? So yeah, I think totally. that's always a good thing. And I think, you know, people appreciate that because you're trying to help them find a solution instead of just giving them a problem. Thousand percent. And the other thing that I think it's so important and always gets left off is the follow-up. Thank you so and and it happens when you grow your brand because you're not in contact with the directly anymore. Like you have people doing it for you. So I always make an effort to like, if I know the pub, like the PR team or the brand people, like my team's handling the job, but I'll like reach out and be like, Hey, thank you so much for having me at such a great time or or such a great event. And really happy for you to have me be a part of it because people want to feel like the human aspect of it too. You know, it's like, yes, they have to go through their t- your team to speak with you. But when you reach out personally and say like, hey, thank you so much for thinking of me. It's like a way of, you know, telling them there are a million other people you could have chosen to work with, but you worked with me. And Absolutely. I appreciate that. And that sincerity will always get you back in the door. Absolutely. Well, because you also have to think that like behind these brands, behind these agencies, it's all people. Mm-hmm. Right. And unfortunately, like in, in a good way, but also in a bad way, sometimes like one person's personal opinion can Ugh. affect what you do. You know what I mean? Don't like, I know it. Sister. <laughs> even being at, a, you know, I worked at a brand and like we did events and we did partnerships and stuff. And if this, if like the talent or the person that we worked with, you personally didn't like, or they were rude to you or they did something like, I have the power to be like, I don't really want to work with them again. Mm-hmm. And then because of that one interaction, you now lost a job or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, had this, like, I had this one brand that I was on contract with for so long. And then all of a sudden they like got a new, um, they had like a new internal like team switch up and they just 
like deaden me and I'm like whose boyfriend did I sleep with on this team <laughs> but like that they just like don't fuck with me anymore like what no, did I do literally <laughs> it's crazy it's honestly especially in LA more than New York I think <laughs> this world is so much smaller that like yep. everyone knows everyone in the industry so it's like you better be careful who you talking <laughs> shit about who, who you're who you're working with who are you talking to? Because you never know. You truly never know. And that's also why it's helpful to have a buffer and have, yeah. you know, people speak on behalf of you. Because if you are smaller and you can't, you know, you're not in the space to have a manager, doesn't financially make sense for you or an agent or you're, you know, or you just want to do it yourself, that's totally fine. But you can create an alias. Like I remember back in the day, when I was like negotiating at this agency and I'd watch like all these, like all the talent, like have their teams like be bad cop and then like walk on set and just be like the shining angel baby star because they didn't have to go to through like 30 emails being like, no, I want this or I deserve this or I need this. And, and I was like, this is, this is a life hack. And I created a Gmail and I created a Gmail that like had an androgynous name. So like they didn't know if they were speaking with a man or a woman because unfortunately in the industry that does make a difference. Yeah. And I would speak on behalf of me and I would just have like team amrit blah, blah, blah at gmail.com. And it would just be me like emailing totally. these people being like, oh, and I need 20% agency on top of that. They'd be like, okay. And then I'd collect the entire check. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, that's genius. And it totally is a life hack because I completely agree. And it's like, it's not that, you know, your manager, your agent has to be mean, but I even found when I first started too, and I was like speaking on behalf of myself, like I just generally like felt bad, even yeah. though like, there's no reason for me to feel bad. I'd always be like, oh, like I'm scared to ask for this much. Like, are they going to think that I like think that I'm better than this or, you know, that I'm being cocky by asking for this. But when in reality, like that is what you're worth. And it's just like, you know, a lot of people also aren't comfortable talking about money. Like, I think you're great at that and you've always been really good at it. But so many people that even I work with or you know, some of the talent that we represent, like, I know that they would never want to be talking about money or negotiating that. So it's so much easier for someone else to do it on your behalf. And as you said, then, you know, you're completely out of it. No one's judging your character based off these emails, these interactions. It's just the person representing you. And also, it, like, it does create this, like, hostile environment because, like, when you send, like, 40 emails redlining a contract <laughs> yeah. and then you show up on set to the job, they're like, oh, not this bitch, you know? Like, we've yeah. just been through hell and back with her. You want to be, like, a fresh face that has not totally. been involved in any of that stuff. No, for sure. And I think <laughs> that that is that is the the beauty of it because I also think – that, you know, in this day and age, there are so many resources for people to do everything by themselves and learn and, you know, just like on the internet. And like, even I will say like one of my friends who also does management, like I was asking her, him about something and he was like, oh yeah, like I literally like wrote a contract on chat GBT. <laughs> and I was no. like, what? I was like, first of all, that's not illegal or like it's not, it is legal, but it, you don't have a legal person behind it. But I for certain screaming. things, yeah. But for certain like smaller things, like maybe it's just like an agreement or something. Like there yeah. are so many, you know, things that people have now and resources to do that. But at the same time, like there's a reason why the industry is built the way that it is, and you know, people want you to succeed. And for you to succeed, it is good to have a team behind you, people helping you. Because as yep. much as you can do everything by yourself, 
there is a benefit to having, you know, a team and someone speak on your behalf. It's funny because I actually don't have a team right now. I'm like, Kanye vibes can't be managed. <laughs> um, no, that's not true. I don't have a team on like social partnership stuff. I have a music team still. Um, it's the yeah. same team, funnily enough. But it's so interesting to be back on emails again. Yeah. And like I got looped into certain things because um, I couldn't do the alias thing because it wasn't a new job. Like it was like an ongoing contract. And so like my like former team who I'm still working with in different capacity looped me in. And so I'm now I'm like going back and forth and I haven't done this in so long. And I'm like, oh my God, I totally like want to blow my brains out because, (laughs) because that's like, another full-time job you know well, that's like what I was gonna say the other thing is it's extremely time consuming and like for you especially you're also a mom like you have so much more on your plate that like as much as yes it's great to do your own stuff but like when you get to a certain level and you get bigger and you do more stuff like it is time consuming it is and so getting the help and like you said you know like paying for like content or paying for you know, like all those extra fills really does pay off in the long run because it frees you up to do a really great job at the one thing they came to you to do. And speaking of, like from the management side, what do you think is a great way to pitch a manager that you want to work with? I mean, I've recently gotten more of these and like same thing for like at least my my company that we do. Like I do want to sign people that I believe in and I see a vision for and, you know, we can help them strategize like what it is that they want to do and and whatnot. But like, obviously, you know, if your profile and your TikTok and your Instagram and whatever you're doing, like has a clear vision, and they're looking for help, the thing that I always the first question I always ask anyone that we are like potentially going to sign or just like talking to is like, what are your like long term goals? Like, I want to know like your dream brand that you want to work with. I want to know your dream partnership, and kind of going from there, because that truly makes me understand like what that person is striving to do and what they're and how much they'll work to do it. Or if it's just like, hey, I have a following and I just want to make money. How can you help me do that? You know? Yeah. But I mean, we I, I'll get emails, like DMs of just people being like, hey, like I've, you know, just started out or, um, you know, I just dropped my management or whatever it is. And just like, I want help them doing stuff. And my I always want to talk to them before, like, like on the phone before ever, like even like just doing it via email because you really want to have that personal connection with them. But right. I think, you know, cold outreach is always, it's hard, but sometimes it works again. Um, it's not, it's not a like one and done, you know, you might send 10 emails and get two back, but it's worth it if it's something that you were really needing. And like, if you really pitch yourself in a good way, you know, like I love when people have like not a media kit, but like, I know you've had, you've had one in the past Amrit, that you've made yourself, which is amazing of just like, like a, a page that says something about you, just that I can understand everything from once. It's like where you're from, what you do, like, what category you, you fall into, like what your demographics are, like all that kind of stuff. Like that's super helpful. And Rather than me having to look at your Instagram profile and kind of comb through it and understand what it is. See, we don't see eye to eye in the media kit, but I think that that's just because like from my point of view, I'm trying to eliminate the work, right? Um, and if you guys, you know, potentially want to put like an EPK together, you should just, if you just Google search it, you should just have one on hand because even just for internal use, because it saves the back and forth of like, and what's your engagement and what's your audience breakdown and what's your this and what's your that. And I'm like, that's like 50 emails, you know? Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. I don't, I, I mean, I don't agree in a media kit either. You, I said, I'm again, I like, we don't use that, but I think just like the page, it's basically like a bio on yourself. 
Oh, no. See, I was saying we don't see eye to eye because I think media kits are great. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. But, but I don't think that they need to be used in cold pictures. Right. Or I don't think they – I think it's case by case, right? I think you yeah. use it to, like, understand, like, a certain aspect you're looking for. Like, maybe it's like a – does this person meet a specific audience? But I would say – from management point of view, I totally understand why you don't want to use it because it's like, hey, you came to us, you know my client, you can see their content here, you can see their work here at XYZ. Like, you shouldn't need that much information, right? Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, when I, even especially for me, like when I say media kick too, I mean when people add their rates to something. Like oh, they'll say like no. Instagram posts. That's what I'm against. I love an, um, uh, just like a page, a media kit of just like your demographics and stuff. But I have people who will send or like, they want me to make oh them one god, rate. Oh my god, a rate card. Never. Yes. Like that term needs to be. If you take one thing away from this episode, <laughs> rate does not exist and abolish no. rate card. Like that just, it's like saying to a chef, hey, can you make a cookie? Okay, what's yeah. in the cookie? What kind of cookie? Do you want me to go to Erwan and get the ingredients? Or do you want me to go to Costco? Do you want a thousand cookies or five cookies? Yeah. Do you want giant cookies or mini cookies? Like, there's so many ways to cut the cake. Like that's not a like, that's not an A B answer. You know, like that's not. It just shouldn't. And unfortunately, like people are lazy, and this happens a lot when it's like an agency because they want to get like twelve rate cards and then just throw it onto one thing and be like, here you go, choose. Exactly. You know, and then then it eliminates this like I want to just work with this person because I really want to work with them I love what they do it's like oh like that's like the most inexpensive option like let's just use them you know and those are the jobs you don't want like when someone's like really pushing you for a rate card because the other thing is like you want to take all the money on the table so if a brand's like hey like we have x amount of dollars I'm like okay I can't do the initial ask or I can't do this but this is what I can do for that and it could you know be Hey, I'll like reshare your content. You know, you you can't actually afford me to create like organic content for you or specific content for you, but like I can share your campaign or I can do an unboxing story or, you know, I can like, it's like, how can you like get everything out of it without like diluting your brand and, you know, sacrificing exactly like what you're looking for? Yeah, no, that's what I meant. Because like a lot of times when I'm asked for a media kit, they mean to include, and they want me to include rates. Yeah, because like our basically like my roster that I send out of all our talent, like each person has a page, and that counts as their media kit. You know, you have their engagement rate, you have their demographics, you have their insights, and like that's what is the most helpful thing to see for most people. Because then from there you can figure out what their rate is. Because that's the other thing. I mean, this is. I know it's like a not not a taboo topic, but especially in the brand side now, which is why I think a lot of like more micro people are getting more stuff is the engagement rate is huge. And, right. you know, the bigger following you have, the lower your engagement rate is. Dude, I know. It's crazy. And even like I will see these people who you have an amazing engagement rate, but I'll see, you know, like these creatives and they'll have like millions of followers and I'm like oh we're getting the same engagement though yeah so that's why first like I mean a lot of brands some brands don't look at that but a lot of them do so that's why they'll go to someone who has a much smaller following but realistically you're getting the same amount of eyes as if you're going with someone with triple the following because their engagement rate is so low and you know there's sort of a beauty with working 
with more of a niche micro creative collaborator because one, like they're not lending their likeness to everything. And so you're not going to get lost in all of that and you're getting something specifically for you too. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel like, especially with creatives, it's like, and of course everybody needs to work as much as possible, but it's like, I'd rather work with an emerging photographer, editor, director, because like one, like it's like more an opportunity to create and collaborate, but also it get, like I'm not going to get lost in their like spiel of they're going to shoot me or write for me or produce or edit for me in the yeah. same way they've done for like 50 other things that all look the same, right? Totally. And it's like that, it's more important to me to have that a unique point of view than work with like a really mass name. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's also fun because then, you know, that person has a completely different creative vision or, you know, it can be something so new and fresh rather than like, the, as we said, like the copy paste kind of thing. And that's also something that I would, I want to like touch on, on the creative side for people who work in the creative industry is what I see a lot of times, which is honestly, like I consider almost offensive, but I also don't blame these people because they just don't, they're not in that world. It's like, you know, when someone has say a mood board or creative vision for let's use a shoot as an example, and they go to a photographer whose style is completely different. And they're like, this is what we want it to look like. And that does not align with what the style of that photographer is like that's almost like you're asking them to do someone else's work you know yeah. it's that they'll show like a picture of another photographer and they'll be like okay can you replicate this and they're like no if you want that go to that photographer this is my style and if you want to hire me this is the style that I do it in totally I think you can make a mood board which is like varied but you can't specifically attribute like one person no because if people you do like that it's so wild. Like if someone's sending me like another like specific person's link and it's only their stuff, I'm like, okay, go hire them. Yeah, exactly. Like, <gasps> they're like, can you replicate this? And then you're like, no, you could just go ask them if you want that. I'll do it my own way. But definitely creating creative visuals or creating, you know, a deck or a mood board to align everyone in the same page because that's the other thing. And oh, I'll I mean, that's always for sure. make the client do the work too. It's like, hey, you have homework because I don't have time to, you want fun, happy, upbeat music for your wedding? Well, that could mean a million things. I'm like, okay, could you put together a playlist of me of 10 to 20 songs that the two of you align on? And then I can come back to you on a sampling or a mix for your wedding or whatever the project is, you know, because taste is so subjective and I'm trying to do this with the least amount of energy as possible. So if I can do this, you know, like say you're an editor, right? Say you're a podcast editor. I'm going to do this for my editor, Gus, who's amazing. (laughs) For when he needs clients. It's like someone comes to him, they're like, hey, like, can you do this for me? I need these video edits and I need this like um, editing cleaned up in this way and that. It's like, okay, well, can you put together three examples of video podcasts you like? Can you put together three styles of editing you like? Can you put together a a mood board of fonts and colors and visuals that you would like the video editing to be like? Like give your client work too, because at the end of the day, if you don't, you have to do it. Yeah, exactly. And then again, as you said, that also creates way more like back and forth because then then I have to ask you, wait, so is this okay? Like, no, no, something more like this. It's like, okay, if you just tell me from the beginning what you want or what your vision is, then that's it makes it easier for everyone. 
Totally. Wow, this is such a good episode. <laughs> I mean, and I don't think I've ever said this about an episode, like during the episode before, narcissism just jumping out. I'm my number one fan. But um, <laughs> no, but it, it really is because like I noticed this like boom of like negotiating videos just start to pop up and I'm re-watching it being like, this is everything you should not be doing. Like they'd yeah. be like, this is what you should ask for your rate. I'm like, no, it's not. You shouldn't even be giving them a rate. Like no. you shouldn't even be putting all of these things out there. I'm like, this is wrong. So, I mean, hopefully wherever you are, you're listening to this episode and you got something out of it and maybe you're not, you know, a creative freelancer, but you're negotiating a salary or you're negotiating with your partner and what movie to watch <laughs> tonight. And for me, that's this fucked up documentary I'm watching right now about that orphan, that Ukrainian orphan. What? Have you heard about it? Dude, okay. So, so side note, we're, we're, we're done with negotiating 101. But um, yeah, there's this crazy story that's going around right now. It's I think it's based on the movie Orphan is based on this like real life case, but it's about this couple who adopt this Ukrainian dwarf. Oh, and then oh, they the one later she's like actually like 35 or something. Yeah, but like, okay, so there's a documentary, it's on Max, which was from the girl formerly known as HBO Max (laughs) um and it's wild because like you kind of see all sides of it like the couple is bonkers but like she does some like sus like she was you know like going around like the apartment complex saying she was like trying to kill her adoptive parents like standing over them with a knife and like just doing weirdo shit too so like it is super interesting because a lot's going on and I read recently after doing like a deep, deep, I've spent so many hours on this case um, that they're coming out with her side of the documentary, which I, I believe is like premiering in a few days. So like the oh parents, my God. no, this is taking way too much of my time. <laughs> time I say, yeah, you're, really, you're deep. No, I'm really invested. It's wild. Like you need to watch this because it's psychotic. It's so bizarre there's so many things at play here but yeah I'm not gonna get into it because that's another hour. <laughs> like, I was gonna say you could do a full I feel like you could do a full podcast episode this is a, that's it. like definitely that's another episode but yeah my crime junkies out there we'll, <laughs> we'll compact that one another time thank you so much for doing the pod today Oh my god! Of course, this was so fun. I hope I hope we were helpful. Yeah, I hope we. I mean, I know we were helpful. Um, if you loved this episode, feel free to leave us a gorgeous, stunning review, because one of my love languages is words of affirmation. So, and it's and it literally costs you nothing to do it. So, tune in next week. We'll be back with um more chaos and. <laughs> 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 more 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 adoptions gone wrong um ciao for now ciao